0: punk rock demonstration. I'm Jack and we've got a co-host over here. What's your name? Uh, This is Alex Bedoro from Psych Ward. So we've got him and we're going to do a radio show over here. Uh, I just played the song called Loose Articles. No, I played the song by Loose Articles. It's called I'd Rather Have a Beer. Awesome song to start off the show with. My website is punkrockdemo.com and we're here every Monday from 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time. Oh, and we're recording in Hollywood, the best place to record radio shows. (laughs) And we're doing an interesting show today because, one, I'm going to start off with uh, all new songs that you've never heard of before, which I usually do later on, but since we're having an interesting show, we're going to do it a different way, and we're going to talk about uh, radio instead of punk rock, but we might talk about punk rock later, too. So, have you ever had any experience with radio, Alex? Uh,
1: No, I did a a radio interview for a Mexican radio station when Destino Del Lan was still operable, but uh, no experience other than
0: being sat down and given a beer and answering questions. sounds like most people out there because the other day I was just on the Facebook and uh, there's this one guy that was talking or complaining about how he wasn't going to get paid and he was tired of volunteering to do radio shows but it seems like they probably didn't understand how radio worked so that's why I wanted to do a show and talk about how radio actually works since probably some people are interested or some people aren't aware of how that works. I guess we'll do a little bit of intro on that and what the difference between radio shows and podcasts are. Do you have any idea what the difference between a radio show and a podcast is? Oh dude, I have absolutely no idea. It seems a lot of people don't understand the differences between radio and podcasting and they just call my show a podcast, but it's actually not a podcast. And. I don't call it a podcast because when I started radio, podcasting didn't exist yet. So podcasting started in about 2004, 2005. Well, it seems Alex got interrupted by an extremely important phone call. So I guess we'll play some music and then we'll resume the conversation. We'll continue with the lyricals. This song's called Scoundrel Church. we are listening to the punk rock demonstration.
2: Can't provide relief. As they board the flight to Istanbul to get their turkey teeth I'll the cup flies, crowns chartered to foreign lands. Touching photographs of island in their hands. Top trending peer pressure for crooked corrective cosmetics Inspires the need for the biggest, brightest dental prosthetics A Hollywood smile at a discount price seems like money well spent Because a Hollywood smile is just what you need when you live in stoke on trent I make up price crowns charter to foreign lands Catching phone to grab some Ryland in their hands. Serious oversizing, bigger than they need. Their incisors to be shaking to points, and boy, it's gonna bleed. bleed. Dining on soup for the next six weeks, drinking through straws, and not helping themselves if they want to lose the playground nicknamed yours. On a Cup Prize crowd's charter to borrow man. Catching photographs, of riling in their hands. Didn't go to plan catastrophic complications. An agonising abscess necessitates need for root canal operations. Unbearable pain, sensitive nerves flying home in tears. While the NHS are left to pick up the pieces from your bargain bin veneers. And the Cup price grounds chartered from foreign lands. Trading compensation, plain forms in their hands.
0: Welcome back, that was some Humdrum Express with Turkey Teeth. Interesting song title there. And we heard some Rob Moss and the Skin Tight Skin with Hey, We're So Sick of You. No, it's Hey You, We're Sick of You. And then we heard some Gag Me Shark Off with King Cobra Before Them and Cavemen with Booze, Siggies and Drugs from Australia. Lots of interesting stuff there. And we're back with Alex here. He had to take an important phone call. So that's one benefit of podcasting where you can take phone calls and uh, not have to worry about it because I cut it all up and put it all together and have it Oh, so it's a podcast now (laughs) So now now we've become a podcast because you had to take a call But we were talking about uh, the differences between radio and podcasting before uh, we had to cut it short So I'll resume with that In radio, you have uh, shows but you don't call them numbers Like with podcasts, you have like episode this and episode that We don't have episodes in radio because every week or wherever, whenever your show airs, it's a recurring thing. So you don't really have a number to it. It just comes on every week or it comes on every day. Where a podcast, it's like you download show number one or you download show number two and you pick a show number and download it. But with radio, there are no downloads. When well, you hear it, you hear it. And if you miss it, you miss it. <laughs> That's a, sort of like the in a nutshell. What's the difference between podcasting and radio? So I get really annoyed when people say that I'm doing a podcast because... Uh, it's not a podcast you wanted to start a radio show or you wanted to do a podcast now that you've known now that you know the difference between that uh, more than like that I'd, I'd be I'd be interested in doing a
1: podcast since my entire background is in music which each song is kind of like an episode I guess if you if you want to look mm-hmm. at it like that it, it would probably be uh, easier for me to transition into podcast than radio With radio you have to think of things on the spot everything's live versus uh, Yes, that is Versus podcasts where I can record things, there's editing software, and I can have some kind of opinion on the final product before it's released.
0: Yeah, that's one big thing about radio shows. Is you have to have a lot of preparation because my show is two hours long. And if you want to talk for two hours, you better be prepared on what to talk about because you're not going to be able to edit it later. It's just going to be talk, talk, talk and playing music. So you said you did some music. What, what kind of music did you do?
1: Um, I had a project called Psych Ward for uh, a, about ten years, a little over ten years. Um, we did it we did a, we considered a crossover, so I guess a, a cross of uh, hardcore punk with uh, some thrash influence. But it was kind of a, it was kind of a strange project because everybody in the band had their own tastes and everybody kind of threw their own thing in there. And uh, without trying to sound too egotistical, I think we really did find a unique sound in you know in, in the local scene. Is that still active? Uh, no, not anymore. Uh, <clears throat> I, I had a difficult time balancing out my priorities. And ever since I had my daughter, I, ha- I have been unable to balance a schedule out between two passions. And if I ch- the more I tried, the more I just kept depriving each of them of the attention they needed. And it just wasn't working. And obviously I have to choose my daughter over, over a punk rock band, you know. It was It was great for the longest time, but uh, with my other, with my other members not having any kids, um, their their priorities were in a different place than mine, and it was unfair of, it, it would be unfair of me to expect them to twist their priorities around to match that of a parent when that's not a responsibility in their lives. They don't why, why should they shoulder that when they've made decisions that haven't led them to have to have that?
0: Um, I think the government needs to step in, and instead of like talking about climate change and all this BS, they should just increase more hours in a day. <laughs> that should definitely solve the problem.
1: Either that, or maybe just uh, lower the tax rate on the lower ta- on the lower income brackets. That would really help those of us at the bottom. You know, those of us who are just trying to put food on the table and keep roofs over our heads. I'm not even asking for a handout. I don't believe in a welfare state. I don't want any. I don't want or need assistance from the government. I'd like them to take less from me, and if that means that they have to stop giving, then you know maybe uh, maybe that maybe they should start rethinking the way they structure their finances.
0: Maybe they should just get rid of taxes, and we won't have this problem.
1: Oh, that would be beautiful. Or have or have more state tax, or have be, just be taxed by the state, and have the state pay a percentage of their taxes every year to the feds. Because in the end, it's the state government we really are interacting with, and uh, since we. Since I live here in California, our state government does not cooperate with the federal government on many issues. Um, doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum you're on. The fact remains that the state government, if they don't agree with the feds, they will not cooperate with them. So, if they can't even get their if they can't even get their ducks in a row together and be united, why are they united in just gutting the rest of us who live here and work here? Um, for as much as they possibly can before all of us are homeless.
0: Don't worry. If Newsom becomes president, we will have an equal uh, federal and state government. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, free free tents for everybody because that's all we'll be able to afford. Uh, yeah, that doesn't sound very punk rock to me. Uh, it, it's it's only punk rock when you choose to be punk rock. It's not punk rock when the government forces you into it. So what kind of bands are you into? I've been getting into a lot more a lot more grind and uh, grind and death metal lately. I'm not quite sure where it's been coming from. I used to listen to uh, hardcore and street punk pretty much on the daily, and uh, a lot of the more experimental stuff too. But uh, lately, I've been listening to less niche and pretty much have the Napalm Napalm Death disc- uh, discography on repeat mm-hmm. as I go through my as I go through work every day.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how musical tastes change. When I first started my radio show, it was an electronic show, way back in 2004, and then. Decided to go punk rock because that scene had a lot of uh, drugs and uh, death. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I figured yes. Yeah, so, so I figure uh, that wasn't a very good scene to be in, and uh, switched to punk over in 2005. So that's when I started punk rock demonstration back in 2005. And yeah, so I used to work at a radio station, and I couldn't play much punk because you know punk had a lot of uh, interesting lyrics in it, where uh, it had some questionable words. And with radio, it was uh, FCC regulated, Mm -hmm. so uh, if you're not familiar with the FCC, they're like the radio police, and if you say certain words on there, you get a big fine, and once you have enough fines, you'll be broke and you won't be able to do your show. Hmm. Or they'll just uh, ban you from the radio and revoke your license. But uh, yeah, I didn't want to be restricted by the FCC, so I couldn't really play punk and also work at a radio station and have my show there. So I decided to start, start my own show on internet radio where it wasn't FCC regulated and was able to do whatever the hell I wanted to, like this show for example, and not have to worry about uh, things. So we'll play some uh, punk rock since we're talking about uh, my punk rock radio show called Punk Rock Demonstration. Let's take a listen to some Bendy Monsters. We're listening to new music that people have been sending in throughout the week and you can send over songs by going to punkrockdemo.com. This song's called Bollocks.
3: Come when we have to face who we are. It's always too late when it's it time to write some memoirs.
0: back that was some new TSOL with Swimming, that song comes out on February 6th, 2024, and some new KMFDM with Let Go, have you heard of KFM, KMFDM before? Uh, I know. They've been around for like 40 some years. Oh, what? And they're like, I've always known them to be an industrial band, but for some reason, the song I just played called Let Go that comes out February 2nd, actually, it actually sounds sort of punkish, surprisingly. And then we heard some Jay Luke before KMFDM with Words and River City Rebels with Abuse Myself. And we were just talking about TSOL during the music that we're playing and how they still sound like TSOL. There's not very many bands that still sound like what they used to sound like with new music.
1: Yeah, since, uh, since music is an art form, the artist tends to change over the course of their life even if, you know, those of us, the fans, are really into the original sound. So it's pretty, it's pretty, un- it's pretty s- unusual. And it's pretty rare for a band to maintain their original sound throughout, you know, like a decade or two long, you know, of, of performing, of playing, of you know, recording. So it is really cool to see, you know, a lot of these projects maintain their original sound and not necessarily stay true to the fan base because they're not making the music for the fans. They're making the music as an expression. But it it takes a lot to uh, to maintain that same kind of mindset to keep on
0: making that same art. Yeah, I think the biggest example of a change is like Metallica, where they started (laughs) off sounding like Metallica. And then somehow they became like classical and all sorts of interesting mixes of music.
1: I mean, whatever your opinion on Metallica's music is, we we all know when the point was that James Hetfield decided that he was uh, big enough to start, uh, start pandering to a larger audience. I mean, the guy's a talented musician and he's earned his way up there, but... You're not gonna catch me paying hundreds of dollars just to just to watch this guy solo and sing,
4: <laughs>
1: like Mike Ness, like Social Distortion, I guess, in the same manner. I love how Social Distortion has their last show every couple of years. <laughs> oh yeah, it was the same thing with uh, with Cheap Sex, and this was kind of a controversial opinion, but but uh, Cheap Sex did the last show several times. I have merch from the third to last show that said <laughs> "last show" and had the date on it. And it got to the point where I didn't even care when they said last show anymore. Like most of these bands that are doing that, because it almost feels like a cash grab. And, I mean, what's punk rock with you know about if you're going to be you know reaching reaching into your fans' pockets every chance you get?
0: <laughs> I wonder when the next uh, last show for cheap sex will be. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: as soon as Mike decides he needs some more money and evacuate, isn't paying
0: the bills. <laughs> And then another thing about radio is that I can't just uh, sit here and not talk about anything so I gotta figure out what to talk about now. (laughs) You know what, let's just listen to another song because I can't think of anything at the moment. Let's take a listen to some more new music. And this new music is coming from people that have been sending in music over on my website, punkrockdemo.com, we're going to continue with this band from India. The song is called Disruption, it's by DIY Disruption.
5: to layering, let's talk about camisoles, he loves Audrey Hepburn, you should see it in Sherbert, with three-quarter sleeves, the way it drapes, Isaac Mizrahi, Isaac Mizrahi, Fabulous.
0: Back, that was some Lawmaker with Dead Sober and we heard The Stitches with That Woman's Got Me Drinking. LA's Forgotten with Get the Hell Out of Here and Robbie Quinn before LA's Forgotten with Isaac Mizrahi Day. And her Darko before Robbie Quinn with What I Cannot Be, last of our new music here on Punk Rock Demonstration. My website is punkrockdemo.com. We are here every Monday from 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time. And then repeats on Tuesdays from 7 a.m. until 9 a.m. Pacific Time. So do you have a name or do you have any idea of what kind of a podcast you want to do over here? Well, my lady
1: wants to be the one to uh,
0: be the primary
1: host on it. And uh, she wants to do podcasts on, from what I understand, she wants to do politics and uh, trauma. So a lot of heavier topics, um, both of which I'm pretty familiar with. So uh, we'll see once we start laying out a blueprint. I mean, thanks to you, we barely started scraping together the equipment to, to do it. So next, I guess, would be kind of a storyboard to start determining, you know, which direction, how many episodes do we want to do, and uh, how we want to structure the episodes, things like that. Like what, what kind, like what kind of content? Because those are such broad, such broad topics.
0: Yeah, it sounds broad with the trauma and politics. I don't think I've ever heard of that kind of a combination.
1: Well, it's got to <laughs> keep it interesting, and uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the new generation's interests. You know, I guess speaking sound like a very old person, but I'm not as big a fan. But one thing I am a fan of is that people are bringing the issues of mental health out into the spotlight. It's no longer such a stigma. I mean, when I was growing up, and I'm sure you as well, um, when you were depressed as a boy, um, it was it was a very uh, taboo topic to speak about sadness as a guy. It, it showed weakness, it was frowned upon. And while I understand this, that a society of strong men is what builds a strong society, it is very destructive on a lot of people as well. Um, for every strong, you know, strong, you know, man you produce, you also knock two down that could have found the strength just through a different method. So I, I am really, really happy to see the younger generation pulling mental health out in the spotlight. Two, I think that they're getting carried away with it and they're classifying a lot of mental health as more extreme than it, mental health issues is more extreme than they are. Yes, but. The intentions are pure and I I can absolutely respect that.
0: Yeah, I see a lot of, uh, I don't know if you call it mental health or not, but all of this like gender neutrality and gender discovery and all this stuff and then like trying to make it so it's legal for the younger generation, like under 18, to be able to have like a gender change if they wanted to. But then later on in life, uh, after they've discovered that they want to become someone they aren't, they want to go back, but it's not that easy to go back once you've made some modifications so yeah there's a lot of interesting stuff going on today and I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing or everyone's confused or what the hell's going on there.
1: I know it's, it's a very inflammatory and hot topic to be discussing out publicly but uh, from the way I've seen it I, I I have a lot of experience in the mental health system I have not met a lot of people and uh, I, I've seen a lot of people not be able to conquer their issues and you know, die as a result of either their behavior as a result of unresolved mental trauma or through suicide or, you know, whatever it may be. And from all of the trans people that I've encountered, um, a major a major thing with people with gender dysphoria is that it's never just there. There is almost always, like every, I'm sure there's an exception, but the exception doesn't make the rule. There's always underlying issues generally some kind of trauma behind it i mean we don't our mind does not reject our body because it's healthy and that doesn't mean you're any less of a person it doesn't mean that your issues are invalidated or are anything to be made fun of but it feels like people are just kind of switching over to it like religion and in my opinion that that, that's wrong we're supposed to try to address the problems within us first because You can change your outside as much as you want but if you don't resolve the problems within you then you're not going to be happy and you may find some serotonin release you may find you know some joy in your new in your new body but joy is not happiness joy is a joy is a sensation and happiness is a way of life so it's kind of to me it's the same thing as someone seeking you know the immediate gratification you, you have to address what's underneath it. Gender dysphoria is absolutely a very real mental health concern and absolutely should be treated. But one thing we forget about the younger generation is very few of us as adults, any of you that are over 25 that are listening in, I mean, how many of you can really say that you're holding the same radical views that you did at 12 years old, 14 years old, even 16 or 17 years old? I mean, our brain is, gr- is growing in constant development until we're about 24 25 years old so in a sense we don't truly actually know who we are and a lot of kids they just they they want to do what's right they like, i i do think people are born inherently good and they just want to do what's right and it, it feels like this issue of transgenderism has has been convoluted by people with personal agendas and it's being weaponized and they're using our, our youth as ammunition in this. They don't know better, they just wanna be happy. And how can I fault anyone with just wanting to be happy and not being truly informed? A, a very good example is the hormone therapy that they're using, the puberty blockers um, for males, you know, transitioning over to, to be a woman, are used as chemi- they're, they're the chemical castration drugs given to sex offenders when they're released from prison. That's not a drug that I think we should be putting children on. We should be teaching them to love themselves as they are. And if you truly do feel, if you you know, if you continue growing and you still truly feel like you know, like you're a woman, absolutely, I think you should be allowed to transition. But as a young minor child, I think there needs to be a lot more that goes into it before we begin approving uh, approving the surgeries and the treatments. These children deserve every shot at happiness, and we as adults have the responsibility to guide them in the right direction and that's not away from transitioning but it's through exhausting all measures before we begin implementing permanent ones because this stuff this the, the hormone treatment the, the puberty blockers they are not reversible this is not something that should be treated lightly taken lightly or chosen on a whim and a lot of the confusion that comes from it you can when you ask you know young children you know You know, why do you feel this way? A lot of times it's for superficial reasons. You know, I've I've known plenty of young boys. I know four-year-olds and six-year-olds that are friends with my daughter who want to play with dolls. And that's perfectly okay. They're boys. They want to play with dolls. If they wanted to, you know, if they wanted to play pretend and be a princess, I see nothing wrong with that. They're children. They're they're using their imagination to be a character. They're not telling me they want to be a woman. They're telling me I, 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 not quite idolize, but I have a very high opinion of this character and i'd like to be this character and absolutely i'll encourage children to you know to use their imagination to play and to be who they want to be but do i think that you know those children are telling me that they want to change the course of the rest of their life when they have barely lived a couple percentages of it no i don't think they are
0: yeah i completely agree Sometimes it's just a phase, and sometimes they're just not sure, or there's an underlying condition that's causing them to think a certain way. And to make it so easy for them to just, oh, I feel like becoming something I'm what? not. Hey, buddy. Hi. We've got a kid over here. What's your name, Genevieve? <laughs> yeah, this is Genevieve. We're on the radio. You want to
1: say hi to the radio, Genevieve? Yes. Say hi, everybody. Say
0: hi. <laughs> say Hello. Hello everybody out there. Yeah, you're talking to dozens of people. So we had Genevieve right there. She's what, three years old now? Almost, yeah. Sounds like she's going to be a very good radio host with uh, being so quiet. Usually you can't get her to stop
1: talking. That's where a lot of my views changed was when I had a daughter. Not necessarily because she's a daughter, when I had a child, I guess then. Your entire view of the world changes because of protecting yourself and protecting your loved ones is not is not even remotely close to the same as protecting you know an innocent little piece of you. Mm-hmm. A lot of my views on what's acceptable have changed when I was more involved in the scene. When I was more involved in playing music, there were a lot of social behaviors that not only did I find acceptable that I encouraged. I mean, I was no stranger to getting drunk and to getting drunk outside of a show and passing out in the parking lot, waking up the next morning, you know head on over to the bus depot with the, with the other pongs fine manage to pool enough, just enough change to get ourselves a round of drinks and, you know, go about the day. You know, ground scoring cigarettes, eat, eating, you know, just eating other people's waste and discard. Like, it it, it it, was okay. But now now that I have a child who looks to me, you know, to, to raise her and protect her, my views on the world are, you know, much, much more different now.
0: Mm-hmm. It's also funny how uh, once you have someone uh, try to talk on the radio, it's like, hmm, <laughs> don't know what to say anymore. Yeah, ever,
1: it's always easy to talk up until uh, up until you need to talk. Yes, it's just
0: like people with public speaking. Yeah, we we're, were talking about how uh, this gender uh, thing shouldn't probably shouldn't be uh, so easily accessible for minors. It, it all came down to it, it. All started with gender theory and the idea
1: of the. Uh, of the of this of gender being a spectrum rather than a binary,
4: mm-hmm.
1: and if, in a philosophical terms, gender is a spectrum. But in biological terms, gender is just a description of our is gender is just a description of our sex and the roles that we've assigned to it
4: mm-hmm.
1: and the way our bodies are biologically built. There's kind of roles that we fit into. Not everybody's going to fit into the mold. People. Everybody has a cross between, you know, both of them. Like, I have, a, I have a lot of effeminate qualities. As a matter of fact, I'm much more emotionally sensitive than my, than my woman is. My woman, my, my woman is much more emotionally sound than I am. And to be more emotionally, you know, more emotionally vulnerable is considered a more effeminate trait. But that doesn't make me a woman. It doesn't make me, you know, it doesn't make me any less of a man. Right. I, you know, it's just one of the traits of who
0: I am. The younger people don't have enough experience where they can see that this isn't because I'm a woman or because I'm a man that I'm feeling this way. Mm -hmm. There's some certain... They just don't have enough experience. And we shouldn't allow them to just simply decide on oh, I just don't feel like a man today or I don't feel like a woman and permanently (laughs) change that until they've gotten enough experience where they can make that informed decision. Absolutely. Like
1: I said it's a really complicated issue because we are crossing we are crossing with society trying to progress in a brand new direction with mental health issues such as gender dysphoria and I've known people with actual gender dysphoria where their where their mind legitimately rejects the body they're in and the two people that I knew that really 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 suffered from that um, they were sexually abused as children
0: so there's um, always, almost always, there's yes. something causing them to have this yes. feeling, and the, it's not because they just want to become a, a different gender. A, the young man who was uh, violently
1: sexually assaulted throughout his childhood, he transitioned into a woman because he, it was the it was the way for his mind, and this is you know what he's told me or she's now whatever whatever they're describing themselves as now. Uh, mm-hmm. Their doctors saying it was their mind's way of. Making sense of a horrific, traumatic incident, and 110 percent know that should never have happened to them. But them, be, them transitioning into a woman was their way of coming to peace with it. At least, in, at least in you know the doctor's opinion, their opinions change. But they understand as well that they're only seeking out to be happy with themselves. And the big difference between what I see them doing and what I see a lot of the the uh, what have been referred to as trans trenders. Um, is this individual I knew did not need to prove it to the world. Mm-hmm. This individual lived the life of a woman rather than to convince the world to accept them as a woman. And if you met if you met them on the street, you wouldn't be able to tell. And there was no uh, there there were no attempts to deceive people. They were very open and honest. Whenever they would you know before they'd get intimate with people, they would be open and honest with uh with people that you know would ask. I knew, a, uh, I knew a female who transitioned into a man and I could not tell until she pulled her pants down and showed me her genitals. I had zero idea. And of course we were drinking at a party together and this was completely consensual before anyone gets the wrong idea. Nobody ran up and forced them and no one demanded it. They're just like, no, I'm really a woman. And I'll like, right, prove it. I don't believe you. You, you look like a dude. And they, right then and there, and I was like, whoa, okay. And I had a bunch of questions and a lot of learning to do, but that didn't, yeah, was it weird? Yeah, but didn't make him any less of a person. It's just that's how you choose to live your life. But whenever, if I ever called them she or he, whatever, they didn't care because my opinion does not affect their reality. Mm -hmm. And they genuinely believe they were, like, you know, they were living the life as a man. And my opinion of what they were doing made absolutely no difference to them on how they felt and how they dressed and how they behaved. And that, I think, is the disconnection. Is the youth now that are trying to exploit transgenderism as a way for attention, is they're trying to convince the world to accept them rather than convincing themselves to accept themselves. If you truly accept yourself and you truly love yourself, do you really need a bunch of strangers to reaffirm for you who you are? I know who I am. And anyone who wants to disagree with me is perfectly acceptable. Like, it's perfectly acceptable. You can disagree with me and you can you can even hate me for my beliefs. And I honestly could not care. I have Jewish heritage. I have a, la- I have a Jewish last name. If, if anyone thinks that I didn't receive persecution for, you know, my blood, you know, even within the punk rock scene that supposedly is all... Uh, is all accepting and we are all, you know, we're united as one. No, the punk scene is made up of human beings and human beings persecute the absolute hell out of each other. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people that say that their family couldn't, couldn't you know, make a living because of the Jews, because of the banking Jews, because of the Zionist Jews, because some people, because, you know, a handful of Israelis decided that their single family in East LA is going to remain poor and it's like, you know, they're good people, just racism and prejudice exist, even amongst those of you who fight the hardest to prevent it. Extremism nowadays, it's just getting worse. <laughs> I don't even have a band anymore, so nobody
0: can cancel me. What you going to do? Can't <laughs> cancel, my rent, cancel my rent payments, you know? Let's take a listen to some more punk rock since now we've uh, moved on to the topic of punk rock and we're doing this radio show called Punk Rock Demonstration. We're going to continue with the song by King Rat. I haven't played this one in a while. It's called To The Max. Oh, that's a dope name. Oh, To The Max, To The
1: do
3: Hope to lie, choose a hell of witch to die Use a pen to draw the knives choose the two cough out my eyes The sun of skulls and sun of us suddenly like a bomb As I pray for the day one day When this will all be gone Screaming to the void Screaming to the void Choking your non-benefit And burn your voice in Point. Troops deployed You know this ain't known until it's all destroyed Down an army's make work for empty idle Hands, You with a fist, pull the trigger for your list A man, bed knuckle to the broken bone Break through skin, ready to flan Claw, tear a from me Screaming to the void I know that I can drown myself if I can drown you out My way through this desert still praying for drought Words on top of words on top of words until the last return Holding mirrors up to mirrors till the mass swish and discord we just root don't think we just root don't think Just rude, don't, don't think And draw the line Just rude, don't think And choose your side Just rude, don't think It's my design Just rude, don't think
0: Welcome back, that was some Zoo Party with Bad to the Bone. I think that's off their latest album. And some Oil Change with So Long, Goods with Eyes of Satan before Oil Change, and heard some Slaughterhouse, which we're doing an interview, actually, at the end of February in Garden Grove. That should be interesting. That song was called Time Killer, and heard some Faintest Idea with Screaming into the Void. And you're listening to the Punk Rock Demonstration still. My website is still punkrockdemo.com. We're here every Monday from 7 to 9 PM Pacific Time at punkrockdemo.com. And we're here over in Hollywood with Alex over here. He wants to do a podcast. Have you come up with a name for the podcast yet?
1: Uh, like I said, since my since my woman's gonna be the primary host, uh, I would leave that on her unless she wants to involve me a bit further. Mm. I would be at best a co-host and at worst a uh, an occasional special guest.
0: Very cool. It's good to get people interested in podcasting
1: and radio. It, it's a, It's a great way to get information out to the public without having to hide it behind several layers of entertainment. Mm-hmm.
0: not just that but it's like a dying uh, skill because everyone's on their TikTok and their YouTube and their Instagram and whatever and there just isn't very there just aren't very many where they're seriously passionate about radio or they're passionate about podcasting as a long term thing more, a lot of these things like TikTok they're all like trends and it's like oh I feel like not doing my show tomorrow so
4: mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah, there's a lot of those people out there that are like uh, they get into it for like a year or so and then they decide that it wasn't for them and well, they get um, into it for a year
1: or so and they don't get famous so they decide it's not for them yes
0: that's what I mean I mean if you, want a,
1: if you want a good example of that look at the graveyard of dead SoundCloud accounts mm-hmm. you know people jump into people do that all the time and living in Hollywood you see that often people jump into something with all of the passion for about six months to a year mm-hmm. and then they drop it people forget that art is work and it's thankless unpaid work Mm -hmm. Psych Ward reached a really decent level locally, but people forget for the, you know, we, we had to claw our way there. We played nothing but opening slots for the first two years minimum of us playing shows. Nobody came to see us. You know, we played for the host and the next band that was setting up waiting. And we did this all the time. We'd drive an hour and a half out to a venue and play a show. But we'd get footage of that show or we'd meet one or two people or one of the bartenders at the bar, you know, heard us, was like, hey, that's not bad. And slowly but surely, as we go, we'd see familiar faces. People who would happen to, by chance, catch us would then start showing up, and before you know it, they would bring their friends, and the following began growing. We began getting better time slots because we could bring in a larger crowd. I can't tell you the amount of bands that we played alongside where they'd start out, and they'd start out famous simply because they'd have a lot of friends. But in the end, those friends are not buying your records. Those friends are not purchasing your merch. They will take them from you and help promote, but there comes a point when exposure is no longer paying the gas to get to the shows. By the time we were able to, I think at our most successful, we could consistently charge 20 to 35, 20 to 40 bucks maybe a show so we could cover two cars worth of gas to get our equipment out there and back and maybe a pack of beer that we that the whole band shared. Um, we never made a profit off of it and we never intended to make a profit we probably gave away a lot more than we sold at the best we were breaking even and at the worst we were uh, losing money but it was for the joy of the art if people are getting into anything whether it's you know whether you want to be a content creator whether you want to be a musician no matter what you have to stay on the grind and you have to stay in love with it because the fans can tell, the crowds can tell absolutely between someone who's doing something to get famous and someone who's doing something simply because they love it.
0: Yeah, and a lot of these uh, new new tools like YouTube, for example, I think it's making it where passion is not driving them. They're looking for a simple, quick way to get famous. So Mm -hmm. like YouTube, uh, you get paid advertising from YouTube to be able to put out your own videos and whatever. But the thing is, you're not going out there like the old fashioned way of radio shows where you go out there and you find your own advertising and you support yourself. Now you're relying on YouTube to support your habit. Mm -hmm. Or you're waiting for brands to reach
1: out to you Mm -hmm. because the market's so oversaturated with influencers that at this point, no company's really responding to people requesting for sponsorships unless you're already somewhat famous.
0: But not just that, if YouTube decides to pay less for their advertising or just cut you off completely, then what are you gonna do? You're not gonna be able to support your own show, so are you gonna give up? Or are you gonna go back to the old-fashioned, proven way where you go out and find your own advertising, your own sponsors, and support yourself? And I think that's the problem. They're just relying on other people to help them become famous instead of trying to work towards fame. Well, that's true as well.
1: But also, we have to remember that seeking sponsorship is not the same as it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess a great example is growing up. I played, uh, I played, you know, community baseball, and our community baseball league was done with sponsors, mm-hmm. and a majority of our sponsors were small family-owned local businesses. Local businesses no longer have the profit margins to be able to sponsor community community, you know, events. Yes, leagues and all that. What's up, buddy? But now yes, these small yes, mom and pop stores are just scraping by now. It, you, you have to go to big corporate sponsors now. You have to get large companies. You have to get a lot you have to get a company with a lot of disposable income to be able to sponsor you now. Sponsors are no longer the same as they once were the whole game of getting sponsorships is radically different now. So at, at, on one hand, I don't like how kids today are doing it, but at the same time, that's kind of the only way to get any form of finance like financial aid. Well, there's always new businesses starting up. So, but do they have the money to be able to sponsor someone who isn't a guarantee to bring them money, small independent creators that cannot guarantee like an additional flow of let's say a hundred cust- extra customers a month, they're looking at the return versus the, the investment versus the return and they don't look at, at sponsoring someone as a, as you know, a, a, as a test that stands time, mm-hmm. like it, it they they want an immediate return because for them it's just hemor- it's just hemorrhaging money or it's too big of a risk. They'd rather sponsor someone, pay a little bit more, sponsor someone who can guarantee that their advertisement will be seen by another two or three thousand people, even if only one percent of those people go actually go like listen to the ad and go shop at that business. One percent of you know two or three thousand regular listeners is way bigger than someone who's doing an indie show. So it's much more difficult for smaller content creators, indie show hosts, whatever it may be. It's so much harder for them to get any kind of sponsorship now.
0: It's just the whole game has changed. What they gotta do is they gotta learn from the Girl Scouts, where they sell their Girl Scout cookies. Somehow they make it. <laughs> hey,
1: you know what? Bake sales are a tried and proven method. Fundraising is not the same as it used to be. I would like I, I would have to you know help people drive gear around the shows and do odd jobs. And uh, at most I'd get a little bit of free merch from someone. People would offer the band a small sponsorship. Hey, we'll give you guys like, you know, we'll, we'll give you a discount on this, on this service that we do, if you wear this, you know, and it, like trades like that are, small, are artists and small businesses working together, but it's not an actual sponsorship in the sense where I could make a living off of sponsorships like that. It just lessens the financial blow to me and it's such a small investment on the, on the business's part that they aren't losing money by working with me. So when I work with businesses it would be a very low-risk investment for them.
0: What people can do also is that uh, instead of going out there and finding sponsors, they can partner with a business. Like for example, uh, instead of uh, asking them to pay you for advertising, you'd be like oh if I mention a certain keyword on the radio or on the show then you can give them like a discount. And then you can pay me as people use that discount code on, mm-hmm. on your business.
1: Yeah. A lot of YouTubers that I watch, uh, they'll do stuff like that. They'll, they'll, they'll have a discount code where they'll get kicked back a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a lot of the Amazon promo codes, which I hate to death. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Review videos used to be something where I could look at it and be like, okay, this is an honest, you know, practical review of a product that I'm considering buying. Mm-hmm. Now, product reviews are just, 10 minute long commercials for five products. And they're like, just click on the link and shop on Amazon and I'll get a kickback. You don't even have to buy it buy like the product I advertise. It's like, I'm not doing this to make you money. Like I wanted an actual legitimate review and all you're doing is giving me bullet points. Half the review videos are just AI voices <laughs> listing the items description. And there's a couple of camera shots of the item, but no actual, no actual practical application of the item in question. Uh-huh. And it's, Ridiculous. There's too
0: many people looking out for money
1: nowadays. Yeah, that, that's why i have wasted <laughs> so much money on different products for my for my freaking motorcycle because I don't know if they're gonna work for for my needs or not because the because the reviews are just awful. They're all advertisements. Yeah, they're either advertisements or people that hate the company and just want to troll.
0: Yeah, that's that's an annoying thing with the advertising the stuff you're trying to sell. You shouldn't be doing that. That's like a, that should be considered like a conflict of interest or something like it, that. It absolutely
1: should. But the, <laughs> the internet, the internet has gone from the beautiful days of it being like the wild west. Now it's just a cesspool. <laughs> Everyone's just climbing around trying to find the dollars. You know, the dollars in this pool of poison. And that that that's why I got rid of all my social media. That's why I'm no longer active like that uh, uh, online. Because if anybody who re- anybody really wants to get a hold of me, they've got my phone number. Mm-hmm. They know how to get a hold of me. They
0: know who to talk to. Like, I, I ain't that hard to find, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, but... Yeah, if you're doing a music show, that's perfectly fine to like advertise like some motorcycle parts or, or whatever because it's completely unrelated to what you're talking about. Yeah, no,
1: absolutely. And mm-hmm. there, there are a lot of small companies, you know, that produce items that I could recommend because I, because I've tried these products, I can list the practical applications of them and I, can, and I also understand the downsides of them more than the description of the item on the website says.
0: Mm-hmm. And the best, best thing is if you're really into a certain product, you can be like, oh, I love this particular company. I want to partner with them and maybe do some business with them. So give me a promo code, I'll advertise your business and if you get people to use the promo code, give me some money.
1: Absolutely. Like, hey, shoot me like a, shoot me like, you know, a 3%, 3% kickback, you know, whenever someone clicks the link and, yep. and purchases something.
0: Yeah, so there's all sorts of ways, creative ways, that you can make money with your own radio show and not be reliant on companies like YouTube to pay you on a regular basis. And if they cut you off, then you're screwed. So I think people just need to learn how to do that so that way they can, if they're really passionate, they should learn how to do something like that and not be reliant on other people helping them out. Yeah, I think we've talked a whole hell of a lot, so let's take a listen to some songs by your old band, cyborg. We wrote down a couple songs here, and you've got... You know, what was your last album? South Central Dreams, is that what it was? South Central Dreams was the uh,
1: last album that we recorded. We had another album, which we never actually named, but we, uh, but we played all the songs live for a couple of years. We just never got around to actually recording. The band agreed to record them. You know as a favor to me if I get the money forth for recordings but with the economy how it is and with without having you know a second job I can't afford to single-handedly pay for it and until I can you know the guys are the guys are waiting up on me and I appreciate them
0: for that yeah you got to get those sponsors I think uh, there's a couple big sponsors you could have gotten <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: oh man um, get myself some sponsors
0: uh, discount almost. codes for playing <laughs> so we'll play this Song, uh, what is the song? South Central Dreams, is that the name of the song or is that the album?
1: That is uh, both the name of the song and the
0: name of the album. So we'll play that one. It's by Psych Ward. We're out here with Alex from the band Psych Ward talking about radio and punk rock and everything else in between.
1: To punk rock demonstration. This is Alex from Psych Ward. You just listened to the song "When We Die." That is a uh, that's a song off of our first uh, our first uh, record album demo, whatever the hell you want to call it. And that was actually one of our first uh, bigger songs. And it, it's about the exploitation of the funeral industry over the families, you know, left behind when people are in grieving. They are in a very uh, vulnerable state. And when you and it's very easy for a salesman to tell you, uh, hey, it's showing respect to your loved ones when you buy this, you know, this glossy mahogany cap like you know box. And to be honest, the person who died, they, they're dead, and they don't want their death to be suffering for their family. And uh, I got the inspiration because a lot of shows we were playing were uh, funeral benefit shows to help families bury either parents, uh, siblings, you know, whatever they're burying some a loved one. And the funeral industry had pitted them for so much. I mean, we're even talking about small amounts of money, like 10 grand, which to these working class families living paycheck to paycheck, that is a huge chunk of change. So uh, I I got really sick of seeing vulnerable, you know, people being taken advantage of for, you know, financial gain.
0: what did we hear before that one?
1: Before that we heard On a Bomb One, which is a really fun song.
0: Excuse us, we're eating Rice Krispies here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no n- no substitute for a good Rice Krispie. It's
0: better than drinking and broadcasting, that's for sure. Oh, without a doubt. Well, I have to drive my kid
1: around. No, no more drinking for me. I already crashed one car. On a bomb one, I wrote that at like 18 years old with my first ever band out of, out of my friend Sean's garage, actually. And it's just about, you know... Doing drugs and going absolutely insane off of doing too many drugs. <laughs> Before that, we heard uh, "Asylum." Asylum was the uh, the big single off our first off our first record. Um, we have a music video out on YouTube. If you look up uh, "Psych Word Asylum," um, that's what'll pop up. It was recorded with two GoPros in a warehouse that was local to us in South Central called Destino del Clan may have butchered the pronunciation sorry to any native Spanish speakers that you know that you know laughed at me for the pronunciation of it it's
0: okay butcher all the band names and titles all the time oh I they're hear it are used to it
1: I hear it and yeah we we played at that warehouse a lot and they're they're closed now there was a long, there's a list of things that ended up occurring there and uh, from what I remember it culminated in the death of, uh, of somebody I knew who I, I shared a lot of mutual friends with um, rest, in, rest in peace Mousy you know but there were a lot of issues that went on there and after that uh, the place had a stigma and eventually closed down but it was a good venue while it lasted and we uh, recorded a little video there, just two GoPros paid the guy a hundred bucks to show up and record it another uh, fan of ours did the editing for it and uh, yeah that was a culmination of a bunch of people coming together and doing some DIY
0: shit a lot of fun punk rock stuff so I think we've talked uh, I'm not sure if we even went over time so we'll take a listen to this one last song by Psych Ward and end off the show with Psych Ward what are are we going to play?
1: Let's play Conspire to Kill off of the South Central Dreams album
0: so you've been listening to the Punk Rock Demonstration I'm Jack I've been here with Alex from Psych Ward out here in Hollywood best place to record radio shows and uh, yeah I'll talk to you all next week on Monday for a new show at 7pm pacific time
1: Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We This is Alex from Psychword and we're, we're still up on Facebook and Instagram, I believe. Uh, we're no longer active, but we still do respond to messages, and uh, hopefully we will be putting out the final album. Yeah, thanks for listening.
0: I guess you guys did your last show already. Not planning on doing another last show. Mm. No, we, we
1: don't we don't need to reach into people's pockets like that. We didn't even know our last show was our last show. <laughs> it was just a good show among friends.
0: Yep, so thanks for listening.